The following is a presentation of Dating Kinky, Kinky Connections, and Kinky Education. We're kinky, done differently. what women and other wonderful humans want. A frank and fun discussion about the way people approach each other for romance, relationships, friendships, or other partnerships that make us happy, as well as an intimate discussion about how to connect with our own authentic self. With questions asked by a guy. And now here is your host, John, or as we call him around here, hi there, catsuit. Hello there, Nookie, and welcome to What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. I'm John, also known as Hi There Catsuit, and it is great to have you along with us this week. And this week, we learned to say thank you, Empress, to hear a great story of an amazing dominatrix. Empress Jasmine Wu is a lifestyle and professional dominatrix. She's best known for her holistic approach to BDSM and teachings on women and human empowerment. She's been seen on the pages of Sour Magazine, Kink Queens, and Hustlers Taboo. The Empress has a deep passion for sensual art, rope bondage, and psychology. She can often be seen curating art fetish photo shoots and hosting elite kink lifestyle parties. She travels throughout the United States to teach other women about the femdom lifestyle. She began her journey into alternative lifestyle practices in 2012 and has never looked back. She studied privately under some of the world's most elite dominatrices, continuously developing her craft through classes on human psychology, rope, and shibari, as well as private BDSM training with renowned experts. Jasmine believes that BDSM is a unique tool that can be harnessed to pursue better physical, emotional, and mental health. Before she works with the clients, how can I empower someone today? In her BDSM practice, she explores elements of personal shame and helps her clients foster self-acceptance. Jasmine Wu works to challenge the social stigma of BDSM and what it represents by creating more positive visibility for the BDSM community. She's available for events, private slave training, BDSM education, online and distance slave training. And now, the Empress Jasmine Wu on what women and other wonderful humans want. It's five questions about memorable firsts. We call it the first five. First time you ever realized that you had a dominant personality? I was five and um, I was punishing my Barbie dolls because their hair was too perfect. <laughs> and they, uh, you know, their shoes were too small and they just seemed a little, a little too perfect. Gotta shake them up a little bit. 
first time you ever picked up an implement of pain, what did you do with it? And how are you feeling doing it? I, I was in a dungeon. It was my very first introduction story. And I, and I leaped into being a pro dom off the gate. I was 18 years old. And I met this dominatrix and she handed me the whip and said, show me what you can do. And it was her personal slave who had been um, fairly accustomed to heavy pain. So it was okay if a newbie kind of messed up on them. And I, I did the thing. And it, it wasn't that I felt sexy or anything. It was that it was like, oh, I had, I had this moment, this, I know what this is. I feel somatically comfortable with this. First time somebody called you Empress. Also when I first started, um, I was, they gave me a name in, in the dungeon I worked at and it was terrible. It was Empress Azuna Lee. And <laughs> while it felt fairly uh, racist, I did like the term Empress and, and that resonated with me and it, it carried as I came into my own as a domina. It just, it feels, feels good, I guess. It feels right. <laughs> First time you had to re-educate someone who thought BDSM was a bad thing. The first time I, I had to tell someone that it was okay. Like really like, hey, this is okay. I was dating personally as a domina and looking for personal slaves. And I had dinner with this personal sub. And within about three to five minutes, he just broke down crying because he had never been able to be honest about the side of himself or express it and genuinely felt this is what he needed to explore. And um, it was in that moment that I took him on <laughs> as my personal slave, but it was also this like overwhelming, oh, I can, I can be that safe space for you. And I want to be that person for you to help you explore this and show you that it's okay. And it just like, it, it felt so full of love. I remember that time and care. And I think for me, it was, it's nice to understand how someone else feels because there's so many shared experiences, especially in the, in the kink community. And as we explore kink, a lot of people approach these things with guilt, fear, shame. Sometimes it's how we reapproach our trauma or sometimes it's just how we genuinely feel on the inside and it's how we've always, how it's how we've always felt. And um, I remember that first conversation was really full of love and powerful. First time you ever saw an image of you, whether it be in a mirror, in a photograph or in a video, and you said to yourself, this is who I truly am. It was pretty early on. Uh, I was working with a, a company that shot like Asian art nudes. Um, and we shot on the beach of San Francisco at uh, Baker's Beach. It was a nude beach. And there's this image of me at 18 years old, completely naked. And the people and the photographers I was working with were very open and comfortable and easygoing and very at ease in this line of work and at ease in 
the art that we were producing and them being so comfortable and me kind of just being like my body is my body and it's okay in any form and I can be art just as I am it's like it felt so powerful that's just totally beautiful oh I'm glad you think so (laughs) when we return we will be talking about the deviant side and the sensual side of Empress Jasmine Wu when we come back on the program. Hello, all you dear listeners of this amazing show. My name is Anya, and I also have a podcast called Sexual Alchemy. And I would love for you to come discover what we're doing over in my little sliver of the world talking about sex, our paths to figuring out our most authentic expressions, unshaming all aspects of it, and generally just creating community around people who want to explore whatever their most authentic sexual expression is. So I hope you enjoy listening. I hope you reach out and I hope you become part of my little community that I love so much. Join Anya for Sexual Alchemy and listen to my episode. It was an amazing interview. Sexual Alchemy with Anya, available where you get your podcasts. Imagine if you can go back in time and learn about your body and how to embrace your desires without fear. How would the rest of your life be different? I would like to know how to not feel so guilty. It's okay for women to take ownership of their health and their pleasure. Knowing where the clitoris is, is knowledge. Knowing where your own clitoris is, is power. Somebody's dad is going to watch that and go, huh? (laughs) Not to sound like a broken vibrator, but pleasure is not a nice to have. It's a need to have. I'm having a good time by myself. I'm having some good sex now. I'm so happy for you. I gotta go. No. <laughs> Why is my car coming? Sorry. The star and the executive producer of the Netflix hit series, The Principles of Pleasure. April 26th on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. We invite you to follow us on social media. Check us out at What Women Want P1 on Twitter. What Women Want podcast on Instagram, and for our kinky friends on FetLife at WWW Podcast. And now back to this episode of What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. Welcome back to the show. I'm John, also known as Hi There Catsuit, proud to be joined by Empress Jasmine Wu from Barbies to Bottoms. How did you get from one to the other? I think it was kind of a natural progression. Um, (laughs) I I remember after I kind of got into being an adult, it went very quickly from being a very conservative Christian girl to I'm 18, I'm going to do a nude photo shoot to I'm going to be an art model, and I worked with several artists and photographers, to maybe I should be a dominatrix, and then becoming a professional dominatrix in that moment and being picked up and trained. And 
pipeline. <laughs> <laughs> it was the pipeline from rejecting the heteronormative idea and standard of beauty with the Barbie to being like, there is other things for me and going straight <laughs> into being a dom. I think it really helped that my, um, I grew up in a matriarchal household and my mom was very dominant. She was the breadwinner and she managed everything. And that was the archetype that I had grown mm -hmm. up with. So it was very normalized to me. In the pipeline between Barbie and taking control of your bottoms, you had this stop as an art model where you were the subject of what people were seeing. What was that persona like for you? Was it just genuinely you and see me as I am? Or did it have a certain character to it that exuded this energy from you? You know, in my early days of art modeling, it, it was almost neither of them. It, a lot of times it would be working with the artist and focusing on creating the image that they wanted. Mm -hmm. I worked with a lot of uh, body sculptors or people who would do bodyscapes. So it was really, really small micro things. And it was hang this way with your shoulder, tilt back, raise your hips up. And you'd be in these weird contorted positions and they'd be getting the micro shot or they'd be molding something. And um, instead of it feeling objectifying or anything else, it was my body is a canvas and my body is a tool. It, it didn't even feel necessarily empowering as I continued to work with all these fine art photographers and, and sculptors and all these things. It just felt like a fun job that I had and that I was really passionate about making beautiful art and helping people do this. And, and sometimes seeing myself in the image wasn't anything that was like, oh, that's me, that's so cool. It was like, that's art. And I, I didn't even know that that was me, that person used my body and made something entirely different. I think I have um, some of my first photographs <laughs> over there in the um, cabinet and, and I can show you after to give you a better idea of what that, I guess, what that experience was like. You have to have a certain amount of trust in that, especially it with a kind of body sculpting or photography or art that's being done. How did you learn to get that trust or did it have to totally be earned? I think that trust always has to be earned. And I'd be lying if I said, all my experiences were perfect and rosy. Uh, I found that when I worked with fine artists, they tended to be a little bit more uh, wholesome. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but sometimes photographers would like to push a boundary. And I think in the power of no, and being very tight on my boundaries and saying what was okay and what was not okay made my experiences moving forward much better. And it was fairly easy to learn to say that. It was, ooh, I don't like this. This doesn't sit well in my body. You're not allowed to do that. Because it, it was a professional environment. And I think that having that power myself of just because I'm here to help you create this art does not mean that you can objectify me carried through to being a domina, right? It's just because I'm sexy, just because I portray this image of power of a woman exploring the taboo, a woman 
holding this realm of being in charge, it's, it's very powerful, it's very emotive, it's sexy, it's interesting. Just because it's all those things, you are not allowed to objectify me. And if, if anything, as a dom, it's quite the opposite. I relish in objectifying my sub because they get to be seen in that way, or at least if they want it, if it's consensual. The connection that comes between a domina and their sub. I've discussed this on many prior episodes of the show because the general world, the uneducated world, always thinks of kinky sex. Mm -hmm. And I know that having had the limited amount of experiences that I have, but still understanding that the moment is what I crave. Mm -hmm. That feeling of belonging, that peacefulness. Explain to me what connection means to you as the domina to yourself. That is a very deep question, my friend. (laughs) I'll start with this connection is paramount, absolutely paramount in anything we do and anything we explore because sex, and I say this time and time again, is sex is 90% in the mind. And while you and I agree that BDSM and kink is not sex, um, the vanilla world and the majority of people still don't have that delineation, which is why you know, we're very counterculture, which is why doing this is very counterculture. But because sex and our sexuality and our shadow self is completely located in the mind, you know, it's all about connection. It's all about how can I tap into your needs? How can I uncover your desires and help you explore them in a safe, sane and consensual setting? And when you can cultivate that connection, just like I would establish boundaries and trust with photographers I worked with in the beginning of my career was the same way that I would kind of relate to my subs of understanding them as the model and me, the person making and sculpting the image and the art, right? Instead of it being one concrete image, one still life of a person frozen in a frame, it was, I was, I got to be the painter and show an emotion with my sub and create this beautiful thing, but it, it doesn't happen if we don't have that communication. If I don't understand who they are and I don't understand what they crave, if that makes sense. The communication being the key word there, and I'm glad you brought it up because one of the things when I read your bio and when we introduced you for the show, talks about the communication you have with every new sub or bottom that you have. And that it is not something of let's check off things that you want to do. It's more about the feeling of what can be shared. And the word empowerment came up in that. And I found that so fascinating. Explain to me what one of those conversations would be if you were to have a new client come in and they were the scared person, like you talked about that one person being, how would you approach that? How would you communicate with that? Yeah. 
Well, I think what we crave is to be seen and to be heard. And that's a really popular term, being seen and being heard and understood. It's very popular in psychology these days. Um, how it relates to my submissives and the people that I choose to take on. And I try to stray away from the word client. Mm -hmm. I use it sometimes, that's not what this is. And, and it might be for some dominas, but for me, it's relationship. And I appreciate you making that distinction because that's very important in what you're saying. Well, it's an important delineation. If there are people who will happily do the checklist of like, you want to feel what flogging is like, you want to feel what pegging is like, what, you know, all the crazy things feel like, sure, we can do that list. But it never sat well with me because anybody can do the thing, right? I could do the thing and I could swing the whip, but if there's no emotion between my flogger and the person behind it, if I'm not saying anything to get into your head, the person is going to stand there on the other end and go, ah, you're hitting me with a thing. And it's not very exciting. So in, in those initial conversations, in that initial communication with someone, I try to get into the nitty gritty on what they know of BDSM, what they know when they feel about female domination or releasing or being a submissive. And what, like, I really genuinely ask, like, what is the emotion you want to feel with me? Do you want to feel safe? Do you want to feel objectified? Do you want to feel scared? Do you want to feel turned on? Right. And, and those things might sound basic, but they give a lot of insight into someone's core motivations, into why they're here, to what they want. And I find that overarchingly, the subs that I get to interact with really just crave to not be in control for two minutes, 10 minutes, an hour, three hours. It's like, I want to let go and I want to feel safe that I can let go. And sometimes that enters into the beautiful realm of subspace, which I'm sure you've talked about. So you're blue in the face. That's one of our favorite conversations in BDSM is about subspace, I think. And for me, it's been very tough to reach that place. Why is that? I think it is because while I have trust in my partners, I haven't had a long-term dynamic or connection that allows me to totally release myself to them. Mm. And is that my tagline is somewhat stuck in a moment I can't get out of. I crave moments. I crave not, not having any desire to think about what has happened or what's going to happen ahead, but to be stuck in that moment, having to experience each and every step of the way with no control over what's going to happen. Because in that space, and you mentioned feeling safe, in that space, I feel safe. In that space, I feel trust. In that space, I do feel love. Because it allows me to release 
this energy that has been caught inside me and this energy that is scared and anxious and feels like it's going to jump out of my skin. And it allows me to just release it and let it go. And that's when I feel safe. I have never felt more safe than when Diva Electric put me in a vac bed for the first time. And it was only five minutes, but it felt like an hour. I've never been more safe than when Amanda Wildfire and Queen P put me in four layers of latex and wrapped me up in a body bag. Mm -hmm. And my mind goes back to those constantly. I've never been more safe than when my queen has taken me and has left a large bruise on my right thigh that I can go back to for a week, two weeks, where if I'm feeling anxious, I can rub it and go right back to where I was. And you can feel her presence and you can feel that moment. Exactly. That is really intimate. Thank you for sharing that with me. It's my honor. I I really appreciate the vulnerability, especially in this sort of format of a conversation. Well, I believe that vulnerability is the key to allowing oneself to be a good sub. If you protect yourself, your image, your right to do anything, if you protect that, you can't let go. That's hard though. I mean, this is this is where we get into the, the real meat is I have the biggest empathy for men. And I say that because just hearing your story, a lot of that is surrounded by you have to be a man and all of those things, all of those moments of letting go, not being in control, being completely helpless and feeling safe and feeling watched over. And that's something that like I can read between the lines as you're talking about in those moments when you're in the vac bed, you know, you're safe because all she is doing is giving you a hundred percent of her undivided attention. And in today's society, that is not something that happens. In, in our world, that is not something that happens. People are so distracted and so busy and so self-centered that they don't pay attention. And men have to be strong all the time. Men are taught not to cry. Men are taught not to let go. Men are taught not to tell their secrets. They're not supposed to have problems. They're not supposed to have flaws. But the cardinal thing that people forget is that men are human. You are human. And having emotions and needing to let go and needing to release and not be on, not be powerful, not be in charge and perfect all the time are so important to have because that's part of the human experience. And so if as a domina in a BDSM context, we have to do something extreme to slap ourselves awake and feel human again, so be it. If we get to wear a cat suit and feel bounded and cuddled and tight and feel contained just so we can let go and feel free. So we can finally feel safe and feel like we don't have to be responsible and carrying so much weight because there's someone in the room who is watching us and taking care of us that 
is powerful. And that is why I do this. And that's why you do this. It sounds like. My dream is to be somebody's priority. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to try not to cry here. (laughs) Yeah. I understand. I had a 20 year marriage where I spent the last 10 years trying to love her and was rejected at every moment because she didn't feel good about herself. And I understood that. I never asked her to be anything more. But when you have 10 years of that and you come out of that and you had suppressed every kink that you've had for nearly 20 years and you get a chance to come out on the other side that's where I am now. Um, but You're new. Yeah. And at age 58, that's a scary thing. Want to know a secret? I love secrets. <laughs> Most of male submissives, men who have understood who they are and are willing to approach submission and finally accept that they want submission and this is a part of them, don't hit that point until they're mid to late 50s. In my my small experience, many of the people I've spoken with and not just my own, but other dominas and in the community, a lot of the male subs don't really approach that until they're in their mid 50s. Because like you, they had to be something for all these years and Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that that happened. And I'm sorry to hear that that person didn't love themselves enough to be able to give you what you needed. And I, I genuinely love her and wish that she gets nothing but the best, but we don't talk. We don't communicate. And it saddens me. I'm not hung up on her. I just, I don't think of her a lot. Mm-hmm. And... And so my my journey these days is, and I it may have been one of the reasons I started the podcast, although the podcast was started to help men understand that in order to connect with any human, and it could be women too, that you have to understand who their genuine self is and not try to portray yourself as an unsolicited dick pic or as somebody that you're not that the genuine selves can get together mm-hmm. i have always claimed that i'm not a typical male because i'm extremely vulnerable i will cry at the drop of a hat because i feel deeply i have had a therapist say i have a very androgynous mind And it's because I tend to take a 360 degree view of any situation where I'm many men, and I believe this, and this comes from improv, where men are given a gift or a suggestion, they see the solution and they go straight for it. Women will receive that gift or that situation or that problem. They understand where the solution is, but the first thing that they do, 
is turn all the way around and see their entire surroundings and see where the journey can go because it's about the journey, not the destination. So take a scene, take a scene. Many, if you think you're quote, typical male, when they get off, that's the destination. Mm -hmm. But think of a woman taking them on one of those journeys. And it's the journey to get there that's so impressive. If that's okay with you, I'd like to challenge that Please. thought. I think one of the things that is really important in our exploration and play and kink, and when I say exploration, I mean in the space in which we play. Mm -hmm. That safe space that we create of this is our container and we can play within that space. So within that exploration and that space, I encourage this thought that kink and BDSM is everything beyond sex, mm. right? And while some people might have the objective to get off or orgasm, and that might be how they associate it, I, I try to dispel that myth and encourage in our private time and our private practice to explore what that's like without the sex, mm -hmm. without that element. Because when you can understand and explore that, if and when you add the sexual element, it becomes so much more dynamic. But then you also learn that real sex, real connection is not always about getting off. Mm -hmm. And it shouldn't be. I mean, unless, of course, you're trying to procreate and that is your mm -hmm. objective. <laughs> but we are evolved human beings in a very emotionally and mentally complex society that's ever evolving we deserve compassion, we deserve dynamic sex, and we deserve dynamic experiences with people that allow us to feel our most vulnerable and our most human and feel safe, seen, heard, understood in that space. I'll share a secret with you that okay. if I, I hear people talking about playing with chastity and having the inability to be able to achieve an orgasm. To me, it would be so amazing if somehow it could be put in my mind that I'm not going to have one. Mm -hmm. So I can just not worry about it and enjoy everything else there. Luckily, I can put myself in that mindset because my scenes, I think, maybe three times in the last four years have involved any sort of orgasm. And one time it was with somebody who said, I'm going to give you one, whether you want one or not. And I went, okay, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> yes, How about it, lady? Go right ahead. <laughs> but it's, it's that joy of being in that moment. Mm -hmm. It's that joy of never wanting it to end. And I think that mm -hmm. that, I think that that is the one thing that when I started a dynamic uh, around the end of last year, which unfortunately ended in the most unexpected of ways because they moved away and they never came back. And part of that dynamic was to have an extended time where it wasn't about having a scene, 
It was about having an experience. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think when you get into lifestyle play, that's where it really shifts. Mm -hmm. Because it's not about the scene. The scene is constant. It just happens in different varying ways. We've gone in so many different directions. I'm going to take a break here, regroup a little bit. And when we come back with Empress Jasmine Wu, we are going to talk about that deviant side and that sensual side when we come back. Have you ever wanted to try something a little kinky in the bedroom, but had no idea where to start? Or maybe your partner just told you they're into water sports. No, not the jet ski kind. And you really want to fulfill their fantasy, but you're nervous. That's totally normal. I'm Kate Sloan. I'm a sex journalist who's talked about kink in magazines like Cosmo, Playboy, and Glamour, and on my podcast, The Dildorks. My new book, 101 Kinky Things Even You Can Do, is a guide to some of the hottest and best-known kinks out there, from age play to zapping and everything in between. Each section offers three suggestions for ways you can try out your new interest with a partner or even by yourself. Curious? Order your copy now at 101kinkythings.com and start learning new things about your sexuality. Realizing that you're polyamorous can be a wonderful insight. The Polyamory Dating Guide is a book about finding other people who share your view of polyamory and want to share it with you. This book includes a variety of sections on poly-specific dating such as navigating online dating with a review of poly-specific dating sites and how to make a profile that works, real-time dating tips that will tell you where to find polyam people and how to make a positive impression, how to date as an existing couple, and if you should, dating as an introvert, queer in dating, and lots more. Get your copy at polyamorydatingguide.com. This is Tanya Tate. And have you listened to my podcast? Tanya Tate presents MILFs Making Money. I share a whole lot of positivity, tips and tools on how myself and other women in the adult industry make money on premium social media platforms. If you want to hear me interview many different guests, then get yourself over there, milfsmakingmoney.com. And you can also search my name, MILF's Making Money on all of your usual podcast platforms. And if you enjoyed listening to What Women Want podcast, make sure you get yourself over and subscribe to my podcast, MILF'sMakingMoney.com. Are you liking what you're hearing? Check out the Total Archives wherever you find your podcasts. And please, remember to subscribe so you don't miss a minute. And while you're there, help John out by giving him a rating and a review. We really appreciate your feedback. Now let's get back to what women and other wonderful humans want. And welcome back to the program, joined by the Empress Jasmine Wu. Okay, we've been talking about this deviant side and sensual side. And I love how on your website, you can take it's choose your own adventure time. I love a choose your own adventure. So, so the sensual side, that's definitely a side of you that 
when I hit that button that says learn more about my central side, it's definitely one kind of character. What is that person and what is that central side that comes out? I mean, I think that the deviant and the sensualist are two sides of the same coin. Hmm. There's this term that's a little popular these days and it's called soft dom. And I'm not entirely sure what the exact meaning of being a soft dom is, um, but I feel that in the sensual space, that's sort of what I am, is it might not necessarily be pain focused, um, but it could be more on creating a feeling or allowing ourselves to be sensual because sensuality is something that is, there's not a space for, for people to do or be that. And so when I get to create a sensual space and explore touch and connection and everything that feels good that's not supposed to, <laughs> that can be lovely, absolutely lovely. And I think that that's what I guess being soft sensual dom entails. And the words that go with that. Ooh. <laughs> When did you know you had that specific talent to have those right words? Um, I'm of the belief system that no one is inherently talented, that it's a skill that they mm -hmm. learn. Um, my, my mentor was Simone Justice and she's based in psychology and that's where her kind of root as a dominant is. And I took four, th three or four of her verbal domination classes. Mm -hmm. um, after that, I went on to work with Sarah Miles and the ladies at PEP, which is People Exchanging Power. And that was one of my first jobs as a domina. And they were all about helping people. They said people have the inherent right to have a shame-free life. And that was their shick. It was all about talking. All of these things are about talking. So for the first five years of my dom career, all I did was talk. <laughs> All I did was talk about domination and say these sexy things. So it's it's definitely not a talent or knowing the thing. It, it was just having this kind of be normalized for me. One of my favorite scenes of all time was a scene that had no restraint, no impact, all words. Mm -hmm. And it took me deeper than I'd ever been before. Well, sex is 90% in the mind. And this is mm -hmm. something I talk about a lot. And while BDSM might not inherently be sex, it's an extremely psychological practice. BDSM is energetic, psychological practice. We can have a whole scene with just our words. It's awesome. The deviant side brings out a few more toys, I'm guessing. <laughs> to be honest with you, not really. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, while I have a growing collection of toys, and I'm, I'm actually looking for a new dungeon these days because they're overcrowding my house. <laughs> they take up an entire chest or drawer set and an entire half of my closet is all, all toys, all dom gear. But I find that these are fantastic. I love to scratch. I always have long nails because it's just... There's something that feels good about that. Um, I'm a biter. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm very primal, I think, in that sense. 
So yes, I love the toys, all the toys, but I, I don't use them as much as you'd think. Those nails, obviously this is an audio podcast, <laughs> but the nails are just sheer perfection. Thank you. They're beautiful. One thing I definitely wanted to touch on as we wrap up here is you talk about the stigma of BDSM and wanting to inform and educate people so that stigma goes away. Do you think we are headed in the right direction these days or do we still have a long way to go? I think there are mountains to climb still. And as you look at the political scope of where our society is right now, I think that there's more pushback than there is progress forward. Um, and my heart really goes out to the trans um, and LGBTQIA plus community in, in regards to our social environment. And so with all of that that's going on, it seems like the community is on a back burner and any progress and kink understanding is still very delayed. But, you know, all we can do is wave a flag, light a candle and, and let them know that, you know, we mean no harm. And that I, I continually talk about how BDSM is not abuse. And the fact that I still have to have that conversation and express that and, and educate that is <sighs> an unfortunate reality that we are very counterculture still. But isn't it amazing that the things that are brought up in society right now, consent, mm -hmm. acceptance, embracing, connection, all have deep, deep roots in kink and BDSM, yet they are so misunderstood in public when you're talking about regular relationships that have no consent and go wrong. Mm -hmm. It's almost as though kink can show the way I mean, I <laughs> for people to have better relationships. Absolutely. I think that kinksters have higher functioning, healthier relationships because in a traditional heteronormative monogamous relationship, you negotiate once. That's at the altar, and that's it. We negotiate monthly. And it's, it's not just about sexy things. It's about everything. And that is what, like, I think a kink dynamic is supposed to be. And it should be an informant for the rest of society to take note. Hey, put, put some pressure on it and get into the nitty gritty because that's how you kind of keep a relationship alive, right? Is by watering it. The grass grows where we water it. That's what I love about kink. So to constantly water it. And there's so much more to learn at jasmine, J-A-Z-M-I-N-W-U.com. I have absolutely enjoyed the time that you've taken with me during the interview and also our, our talks off air. It has been an incredible experience to be in this space with you, and I can't thank you enough. Thank you so much for your time today. Oh, but the true appreciation for the time of Empress Jasmine Wu is mine. 
because during one of the breaks, we had a very, very heart-to-heart conversation about some of the things that I've been going through. And she was so nice to be able to counsel me on some amazing things. And I can't thank her enough for doing that. And we do owe her some more time. So I will reach out to the Empress and see if we can schedule a part two of this episode to talk more about her and some of the things that she loves to talk about. I at least owe her and the audience that. Next time on the show, it's a special Friday edition with another very emotional interview with Mistress Ada Vaughn from the New York State area. Ada has a very amazing story to tell. And when you hear all the things she's gone through to get to where she is today, you'll appreciate her even more. And next Tuesday on the show. Imagine if you can go back in time and learn about your body and how to embrace your desires without fear. How would the rest of your life be different? I would like to know how to not feel so guilty. It's okay for women to take ownership of their health and their pleasure. Knowing where the clitoris is, is knowledge. Knowing where your own clitoris is, is power. Somebody's dad is gonna watch that and go, huh? (laughs) Not to sound like a broken vibrator, but pleasure is not a nice to have. It's a need to have. I'm having a good time by myself. I'm having some good sex now. I'm so happy for you. I gotta go. Where's my car coming? Sorry. The star and the executive producer of the Netflix hit series, The Principles of Pleasure. April 26th on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. That will be a very special episode. Until then... I'm John, also known as Hi There, Catsuit. I hope I've earned the privilege of your time, and I remind you to always remember consent and to love each other always. What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want connects with you. We invite you to follow us on social media. Check us out at What Women Want P1 on Twitter, What Women Want Podcast on Instagram, and for our kinky friends on FetLife at WWW Podcast. This has been a presentation of Dating Kinky. Kinky done differently.